This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you feel you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, please seek professional counseling. If you feel someone you or if you feel you or someone you know is in danger, please call the National Suicide uh, Helpline at one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five or a local emergency number. That being said, let's start the show. everybody, and welcome to the Brain Drain Zone, a podcast where a clinical mental health counselor and a dorky writer sit down to discuss and explore the psychology and nerddom that is so close to our hearts. Join us as we discuss the psychology of lice, life, lice, sometimes, life, comics, music, and anything else we can think of. I mean, a couple of the people that we're about to discuss will probably have lice, depending, give or take. My name is Chris Cartney. And I'm Heather Feely. And, wow. Um, happy uh, post-spooky season, everyone. I got drunk. <laughs> okay. Are you talking about any time in specific, particular? Or? On spooky day. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Happy World Kindness Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's, uh... We, the reason why yeah, we're we, doing this is... We finally... Uh, good news, folks. We finally uh, figured out what we were going to cover this month, um, specifically because it is World Kindness Day, today, specifically. So we thought we would do we would talk about uh, some of our favorite uh, antiheroes and how and when they've sort of burned out for by... Like from a mental and physical and all that stuff standpoint, as well as the importance of self care and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And even though they do do good on occasions, it's very clearly at a cost when it comes to their own personal health. Oh, clearly. They can be kind to others. Well, they can be kind. <laughs> Occasionally. When they're not. Stabbing people in the throat. Yes. Or anywhere else on the body. Yeah, but they usually have, like, very hard lives. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to do the prevented it, but somebody chickened out. It had nothing to do with chicken out, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to do anything overly political. We don't have to discuss the politics. We could just discuss the trauma of being tortured at a concentration camp. Yeah, but I... Fair. That's one aspect of it, but you cannot do V for Vendetta without doing political stuff. Well, you can't really discuss psychology or the history of psychology without getting into the political stuff. Yeah, you can. You can dance, you know, you can, when you need to, dance around the pure politics um, when you talk about psychology and stuff. But Why was homosexuality put in the DSM? <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> The point is, it's not anymore, and that's and that's why. And but that's, why was it put there? Because people are dumb. 
politics. Yeah, I know it was politics, but it was, it's a, it, you can boil it down to, like, people were dumb and didn't understand shit. Anyways. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so the, again, the point is that, that, that homosexuality is no longer in the DSM and hasn't been since the 70s, I want to say. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. You're going to Google that real quick, aren't you? Yes, I am. Because I want our information to be accurate. So, I guess what was there... I mean, I know we had... Uh, while I take care of this, um, I know today was kind of a lack... As far as, like, action-wise, um, it was sort of a lackluster day, I guess. We took a two-hour nap. <laughs> it was a slow day. But it's a little hard to have an exciting day when you have to stay sober for the whole day. So Fair enough. Um, apparently, oh, I was right. It was in 73. Ooh, very good. So, I, I still re- apparently I still remember some history, even though... Good, because it's going to be very awkward for that degree that you have. <laughs> okay, anyway. Back on the topic. Yes. Um, so, Heather, uh, like I said, I sent you the list... I we think discussed. We should, I think we should first uh, discuss what an anti-hero is, because there are going to be people in the audience who are going to be like, "That person's not an anti-hero." That that's especially with a couple, of, like one of the ones on our list. We actually got in a little bit of a debate before we. Uh, like that's going to have to be part of the discussion. Yeah, because the term anti-hero. It really is dependent on culture and time. To a certain degree, I mean, I feel like the term anti-hero is kind of like, um, it's a a word that at its base is pretty simple, but, you know, it feels like, you know, other people have like added things onto it through the years and now it's and and now it's if it's like it's got a very basic structure which is the true definition and then there's the because if you want to boil it down to people doing bad things but for the right reasons that would be pretty much all of the superheroes because the majority of the superheroes we know of today started off as vigilantes before they like I don't know joined shield or what the hell not and vigilantism is illegal yeah, I mean, I mean, I, the the anti-hero is really, I feel like a departure, the, well, first of all, the basic definition of an anti-hero is a primary character who is, who lacks the characteristics that, a, that its audience associates with of conventional heroes, you know that's that's pretty much it. You know that like I guess one could say like if you if you think back to Superman, like way back in the day, and I'm sure I'll, um, I, and I will say I don't know, I haven't read a lot of old Superman, so I'll probably catch catch some crap for this, um, but I feel like like Superman, like way back in the day, was like. The pure was we defined superheroism. You know, he was 
truth, justice in the American way. Right. Um, an anti-hero is someone who lacks that. They may believe in truth, justice, and sometimes the American way. Right. Just they have very different definitions on how to solve those problems. Right. Um, and it, it's it goes it goes to the it really the it really goes to the heart of it that antiheroes are simply more complex with you know with a dark side you know they they take you take the basic definition of a of the traditional hero or superhero and or they remove or alter a few key things like you know set of morals what have you um, and then add emotional ment and mental complexity and give them and give them a dark side and that's pretty much it but like I said I think the fact that at this point the anti-hero has been almost has been almost done to death at this point since its emergence because it's considered cool now right it's like edgy and like and all that stuff which is a bit of a shame because there is interesting conversations to be had about antiheroes even when it comes to uh, mental health and awareness mm -hmm. because a lot of the people who classify as an antihero are not the most mentally well beings. <laughs> in fact, a good majority of them probably should have been institutionalized a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be, I mean, on one hand, um, the you know, if you go back historically speaking, um, I don't even know that's a word, but whatever, um, the antihero didn't enter like American literature until. The 1950s, but it was well. Actually, that's not entirely it's true because been around, but the term wasn't coined. Because uh, Robin Hood is maybe maybe not in though. maybe not in this country because as I, uh, I, I the the first time the term was used, um, I don't think anybody actually knows like can pinpoint it, but it was like uh, early 1700s is when it first came into swing as it were and that was in like English you know like British literature and stuff like that um, I think the I think the reason why it's not so much of an American thing until the 1950s is because let's face it American Puritans are not very okay with the fact that they're not okay hero, with edgy well they're not okay with heroes having edgy characteristics to them and especially back in the 1950s when they were trying to burn comics and right around the time when the CCA formed mm -hmm. which is interesting because I I've I've heard or I've read before that the f oddly enough Huckleberry Finn which was written in the 1880s is it yeah, has be been called the first anti-hero in American history yeah but that's not comics, but just food for thought. Who's the first person on our list? <laughs> the race, whole reason we got onto that topic is because I think a lot of people are not going to like hearing this guy. Batman. Yes. You can't... I mean, the, the interesting thing about Batman is you can't... I mean, he may have started, I guess, as more... I don't want to say pure, but like... Because he always, because oh, he, he always, always had, had a dark edge. Yeah, because he always had that dark, if if nothing else, dark uh, 
I backstory. Think, I think it's easier just easier to claim that he always had noble intentions. He didn't want people. He didn't want another ten year old kid going through the same thing he did. Right, but I mean, like, if you look just all to step out of comics again, I think if you look at say Batman sixty six, it's not. It's I think the campiness was an attempt to sort of you know present Batman as like this again like a purer right like they just kind of like de-emphasize I feel like they kind of de-emphasized his like his backstory and all that stuff and you know they for, in favor of you know well it was there but they chose not to dwell on it right um and in ch- instead chose to you know you know moral uh, not uprightness and Censor, I guess you could say maybe censored dialogue, whole, like holy utility belt Batman and all, and all that stuff. When I feel like, as someone who's actually watched the show, I've watched it too, but you, I'll defer, I'll still defer because you probably watched more than I have. It wasn't so much that they were trying to censor, censor it. They mm-hmm. just wanted to take it into more of a what's what was considered back then family friendly angle because Fair enough. they had to broadcast this show for kids. Yeah. And families were going to be watching this and to be clear the Batman comics at the time when the show was being put out were dark. Like the Joker dead ass killed people. Yep. But Obviously, you can't do that in a show that's meant for children. Yeah. That, so, so they and, translate it to the point where the, the yeah. Joker steals expensive fish. And to be clear, the comic book fans at the time hated <laughs> the Batman 66 TV show. They hated it. Um, I, because it was so goofy. Mm, I, would probably re- I would probably hazard a guess that that's... That's probably why, after Batman sixty six, like nobody tried to do Batman as a TV show until Batman the Animated Series, unless I'm yeah. unless I'm missing something. Because I yeah, because outside of the movies, yeah, nobody really tried to attempt it. Yeah, and so and some and of the movies were, sh- were good, and and the people were shocked when they decided to take Batman back to a darker turn after the Batman eighty nine movie, which I still need to see. Well, I mean, it was the it, I, actually it was the, as I remember, it was the dark. It was that dark turn in Batman and not Batman Forever, the the one with Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito. I can never remember. Oh, Batman Returns. Yeah, but that one they were like I think the a lot of the. Filmmakers at the time saw Danny, the way Danny DeVito presented in the, as the Penguin in the storyline. Like, yeah, that's too dark for us. We don't want to do that anymore. And then they gave it to Joel Schumacher, and and he ruined the the series until Christopher Nolan took over. Anyways, back to the topic on hand. The right. reason why we took Batman as an anti-hero, as we have kind of started going talking about a little bit before, mm-hmm. is because while he is a hero in all rights, he breaks the law constantly. Like, not even in the vigilante sense. He has broken bones. He has 
assaulted people. He's almost killed people before, even though he has that no-kill rule. And you yeah. can make the argument that he actually has killed people before. I will make that argument, at, you know, and again, I will also catch crap for this, but I will actually make, the, actually make that argument all day long that Batman has killed people, if for no other reason than, and I don't know the intricacies behind this, and this is half a joke, but the fact, like, somebody had to be, help build the Batcave. Yeah. Like, somebody, it couldn't have just been, like, Bruce and Alfred with, like, hammers and stuff. <laughs> so, there had to have been multiple people who helped build the Batcave, and how are you going to keep, like, keep that number of people quiet to not reveal, you know, the Batcave? So, I'm pretty sure there are bodies beneath the Batcave. A lifetime supply of chocolate donuts. <laughs> Tim, the engineer who helped do the infrastructure, he's kept quiet because every Monday morning he can go in and get a free chocolate donut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All on the Batman credit card. <laughs> uh, yeah, the ba- specific, as we remember, the Bat, the, ba- the Bat credit card. Yeah, never leave the cave without it. Right. Uh. Yeah, and he has done very questionable things in the name of protecting his the citizens and whatnot, including the time he tested out an experimental drug from an extremely shady doctor mm-hmm. to help with his strengths, end up getting addicted to it, and then had to go through the process of mm-hmm. detoxifying himself yeah. because of how much damage it was doing to him. Right. And I feel like also, like if even if Batman didn't really start out as an anti-hero, if if nothing else, he's one now. Well, yeah, he became he. I feel like he be, he truly like stepped into the full role of anti-hero once Frank Miller took over in writing the comics. I would argue a little bit more, but it was the Dark Knight Returns that really finally solidified it. Mm. Though also, Killing Joke too, because the ending it hints. That the Joker... May have been killed by Batman. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I still think that... Because when Frank Miller started writing it, the way he... Like, he's been quoted uh, in interviews, like... Because he, he, when he started writing it, he, he saw Batman more as a force for anarchy that imposes individual order. If that makes sense. That like that. I mean, that's how he, he bas- saw it. He basically saw Batman as Rorschach. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And yeah, we're not gonna get into Rorschach today. Although we might get into him in a different episode for a different reason. <laughs> right. But Rorschach, technically, he wasn't inspired on Batman. But it's kind of freaking obvious who Rorschach's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, um, once so so Batman. I think we should circle back to why we are talking about Batman, and especially when on the topic of anarchist, ever not anarchists, antiheroes and mental health issues. Right. Um, Because although Batman's intentions are noble and he wants to do the best to protect Gotham City, mm -hmm. his mental health has taken a huge nosedive. Yeah, I mean, he he he, like for example, he he may have the no killing rule. Um, but he has been, I think, as time has gone on, and he's driven himself on this path, 
he has shown more of a willingness to like bend you, that rule. You, yeah, well, not I would maybe bend it, but I would say at the very least use torture and violence and stuff. And which he has done right, and especially um, he he continues to like isolate and alienate alienate himself. From Again, he has done on numerous occasions, and he had to learn the power of friendship over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and and I am, although I will say I am not considering uh, the lesson that he learns in Lego Batman because n- no, we're no. And then you get into Tom King's run, which is very controversial on several levels, but at one point Batman reaches the his breaking point, and he actually hits Dick Grayson, the first Robin. Hmm. Like, he actually straight up abuses him. Hmm. I, I, and I know... I may have missed that. And I'm, even though I, I did not keep one. tabs on Tom King ever since he pissed me off with the War of Jokes and Riddles, <laughs> Tumblr absolutely drag, drug Tom King through the coals for that mm-hmm. one. Because... It's like, okay, I understand that Batman's going through mental anguish, but that's no reason to hit your adoptive son over Yeah, it, that it doesn't jump But I would you. make an argument that, honestly, considering how damaged Batman is, that does kind of fit, and especially with all the crap he goes through in the Tom King run. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, and again, it's, it's a, it, there's, there's that key unwillingness to seek, either seek help for himself or try to help himself like, from a mental health standpoint, like, at all. Any psychologist or therapist who looks at Batman's case would tell him, okay, the first thing <laughs> to help you get onto the track of better mental health is to hang up the cowl <laughs> for good and stay out of the Batcave. Because <laughs> anybody can agree that he is just digging himself a grave with what he's doing. Mm. And although it's noble, and although Gotham City needs Batman, he is just tearing himself apart. Right. And although I will say the funny, the sort of funny thing is, um, uh, you know, it it actually speaks a little bit to the difference in approaches between uh, some therapists and psychologists, um, is that, you know, you know, it's entirely, I would probably say that like a psychologist would say, hang up the towel. Um, whereas there are therapists, I, I would guess that there are, th- that there are like therapists and mental health counselors out there who would still, it would, who would still go in the same direction, but be like, wean well, yourself off the cow. Well, not, not wean yourself off the cow, but be like, try to get Batman to come, not, instead of telling him this is what you need to do. Get him to come to Jesus by himself. <sighs> Get him to come to that conclusion by himself, yes. Because it's it's one of those things, like, that, it, that you know, you can, t- you can tell, anyone can tell Batman to hang up the cowl. And um, he has straight up said no. Right. The, the people can tell him to hang up the cowl till they're blue in the face. But, you know, until he goes through, like, the experience of processing all that shit in his head and coming to the conclusion by himself, there's... A, I would say there's probably very little chance of him hanging up the cowl. Batman Beyond notwithstanding. Alright, so how about we get to our next person on the list. Okay, who's next? 
the next person on the list is Jonah Hex. A character that I am, honest to God, surprised that DC is still holding on to. Really? Because I, I, I I've read some of Jonah Hex's stuff. Oh no, it's good stuff. I'm not saying it's not good stuff. I just, I haven't read it in a while. And I, I think I read... Um, I, I, I Would read you like it. to know my reason why I'm surprised that he's still around in the year 2021? Yes, because, yeah, like I said, I haven't read uh, any Jonah Hex since like six... I think Six Gun War and all that in that series. So you know that suit that Jonah Hex wears? Do you know what that suit actually is? What? That's a Confederate soldier suit. Jonah uh, Hex yeah. was a soldier on the Confederate Army. Right. And yes, he was raised by Native Americans, kind of sorta, in the second half of his childhood. But that's because his father sold him into their servitude as a child. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with the um, fear-mongering tale that white pioneers used to say that the Native Americans will steal your kids. And it has a lot more to do with the fact that Jonah Hex's dad was a major douchebag. Okay, fair enough. But, yeah, I'm just surprised that DC's keeping him around, especially in our year of Lord 2021, where BLM is still running around. It's like, why are they holding on to this character that will piss so many people off? Um, I guess, I, I, I guess like the him. question, yeah, I was gonna say the question is, are you, is it more, are you more upset that that they're keeping him around and that you know what the concerning what the Confederate stuff represents, or is, is or is it more like surprise? It's like, really, you, you guys I, are like braving any possible. It's more of the surprise and bewilderment because. I am not personally, like, super deeply offended because he was a Southerner. So, yeah, he's going to join the Southern Army. It just makes sense geographically where he was. So I'm not upset about that. It's just I'm surprised by the fact that it's like, really? You're going to keep this dude around and you're not even going to try and retcon him a little bit? The question is, um, is is it is the decision... Do you think the decision to not retcon him... Um, is a good one considering again, because I, I I am the last person who wants politics to invade comic books, current or well, yeah, we'll say I. It really depends on what the retcon is. If it's something like minor to tweak, to like maybe take the story in a little bit of a direction for artistic, you know, license, whatever. Then I'm not too concerned but the fact of the matter is um jonah hex being a former confederate soldier not only was that a major aspect of his life Mm -hmm. but several characters within the jonah hex stories will comment on it and ask him about it Mm -hmm. including black characters who are like hey man what the hell's all this about and hex is like look i got nothing against you it's just where i lived at the time and i still do believe in some of the core values outside of the slavery part right because jonah hex funnily enough even though he wears the Confederate uniform, uniform and he still very much believes in some of the core values of the Confederacy, he's actually very against bigotry for bigotry's sake. I was going to say because, as I remember, as I remember, the pretty much the core value of the Confederacy was the retention of slavery. That is a whole other discussion. Yeah, um, we're not going to get into right, that. right, right, right. But the the last thing I'll say in in that sort of line of thinking. 
is I feel like Jonah Hex is kind of like in that way in that you know he's like a, he's a con- former Confederate soldier, but he's he's pre- presented and or he doesn't present as a bad person, or whatever. Uh, he's kind of like the outlaw Josie Wales because the entire reason in that movie that Clint Eastwood joined the Confederacy is because there was a specifically a Union officer who murdered his family, like a specific Union officer with a specific regiment that murdered his family and scarred him. And he and that's the entire reason he joined up with the Confederate Army. <laughs> Outside of the his past events, Jonah Hex also qualifies as an anti-hero mm-hmm. because he will save the day... He is a bounty hunter, and he will take. He will kill the bad guys at the end of the day. However, he has a personal code to like avenge the innocent and whatnot. Uh, or okay. we'll say a personal code of honor at least. He does have a personal code of honor, and if he finds someone to be a big enough bastard, he'll waive his fee. <laughs> like, okay. If it gets to the point where it's like, okay, you got to go, and I don't care if I'm not getting paid for this job, but you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> he's very much like Dirty Harry, where mm-hmm. he's like, this is my job, and I'm going to do my job, mm-hmm. and I'm going to handle my job in the way I see fit. Mm-hmm. And that includes a lot of things. <laughs> um, uh, even murder. So, clearly... You're, you're especially with the new stuff that's been coming out. It seems that you're more familiar, a lot more familiar with it than I am. So, um, what can you, what can you say about like as far as driving himself in that sort of anti-hero path, like because obviously we and just talked about his mental health. Yeah, and and self self destruction and whatnot, like we did with Batman. Well, with Jonah Hex, he's very much like a loner. Mm-hmm. He he's alone, like a good majority of his life mm-hmm. and he has a very antisocial personality so he he does drive people away from him and a lot of that comes from his past trauma of being abandoned not just by his father mm-hmm. but the reason he has that scar in the first place was because of a betrayal of someone in his tribe because the tribe eventually accepted him as one of their own Mm -hmm. but there is a betrayal in the tribe something something he had to duel that person something he killed that person in the duel and that scar not only was a punishment for killing that person the person who betrayed him and left him for dead okay but it also is them being like look we want nothing to do with you anymore so his secondary family basically just hucked him out of the van okay so so he does so like they sided with the betrayer when it when it comes to like by by the laws of the tribe, yes, they okay. kind of had to. And the reason they didn't outright kill him is because they like him. They did like him, but the laws of the tribe dictated that. Mm-hmm. So he does have some abandonment issues that prevent him from forming long-lasting relationships. He does. There are many characters within the Jonah Hex stories who want to get closer to him. But he doesn't want to get close to them due to his past betrayals and because of his line of work. Mm-hmm. And you also get the substance abuse. He is, when he is in town, he is very much your boozing, 
skirt chasing. Well, he's not so much of a skirt chaser because he's very much for women's rights, but he does like paying a prostitute every once in a while. So so he's supportive of sex work then. Yeah. To, you know, to go the modern direction with it. Right. But a lot of this has just made him a very sad and lonely man. He's mm-hmm. clearly suffering from chronic depression. Mm-hmm. As well as but, probable PTSD. Right. But, of course, this is the Wild West. Right. Where, unless you are out in the streets chasing people with an axe, people don't really consider you... Mentally ill. Mentally ill or needing to be sent off to an institution. Right. I mean, because uh, I think, as we've discussed before, like, PTSD wasn't even uh, really considered a thing until World War One, when it started being called shell shock, and right. and then do- and then doctors started taking it like, what? So his uh, bounty hunting and his anti-heroism is kind of his way of channeling all of his issues into something productive to society. Okay. Because, again, he will kill the bad guys at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and he does have a code of honor, but he is not afraid to kill people who... Like, he's not afraid to go after people who are deemed as decent folk, mm-hmm. because he can see through that easily. Yeah. One story in particular that I remember, which was gruesome, was he was going after these cattle uh, thieves, mm-hmm. basically. And he tracks them down to this one barn... Or this one farmhouse owned by two women. Mm-hmm. And the women, they seem nice at first until he realizes that his food is being drugged. Oh, dear. And then later he discovers that the cattle thieves are in their barn with their forearms cut off at the elbow and legs cut off at the knee. And they are treated like pigs. The like cattle wrestlers. Yes, the cattle wrestlers. The women did that because they have this Ugh. belief that men are pigs, so therefore they should just go ahead and be them. Okay. That, that and okay. At the end of the story, the way that Jonah Hex settles this because the women are the the law has turned a blind eye to these women, like they don't even bother to check to see what is going on in this farmhouse. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jonah Hex settles this is he ties up the women lets the cattle rustlers have their revenge on the women by tearing them apart with their, like, teeth and whatnot. That, that, okay. Yeah, that, yeah. Again, he is not afraid (laughs) to go there. And then at the end of the story, he brings the cattle rustlers as they are in the middle of town at noon. For everybody to see. And when people are understandably offended, like, hey, what the hell? He's like, look. This was going on in your territory. Mm-hmm. You turned a blind eye to it. Okay. I did my part. These are the cattle rustlers that you want to hang. Here they are. Where's my money? Mm-hmm. But don't come pointing a finger at me because I pulled these guys out of the hell hole that you left them in. Mm-hmm. He, so he's, that's why I consider him more... That's why. That's where that antiheroism comes right. comes out. So, what, so would it be accurate, at least... Like for example, in a comparison, because obviously when we when we were talking about Batman before, like he he makes a willful he willfully uh, turns away from virtually any kind of self care. Um, would you would you consider uh, from what you know about Jonah Hex? Do you think, especially based on your comments that uh, about Jonah Hex, like this is how he funnels his 
destructive energy into other stuff, but that's also semi-destructive. But I guess, do you feel like he's like a step up from Batman on from given what you know, the, what you know about like the practice of self-care and all that stuff? No. In fact, I would say he is a step down for two reasons. Okay. One, he is not seeking mental health help at all. Okay. In fact, there's this one weird timeline where he comes to the present day and he comes to Arkham. He does talk to uh, Jeremiah Arkham for a little bit, but he kind of views like the whole mental health thing to be like... Yes, yeah, but he, he, waves, he waves it away because it's like, I've lived this long without it. I can live a little longer without mm-hmm. it. But so, yeah, the, the resources aren't available. He's not seeking out because the resources aren't there anyways. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that... Despite the fact that he did find a way to channel his his tendencies, destructive, just destructive, just destructive emotion. anger and emotionality into mm-hmm. something that ultimately is better for society, that, but doesn't, still make, that doesn't make it a good thing. Yeah, it's still destructive. As we will get to the, on the next person on our list, but yeah, I would say Jonah Hex is a little bit more of a step down in that. Okay. Because it's, it's okay. partly because of his time period and partly because it's like, look, I'm at least doing it. Hmm. In a way that is considered societally useful. Yeah, or appropriate. <laughs> societally, like marginally societally appropriate, whatever. Yeah. Okay, who's next? On that note, the Punisher. Oh, God. <laughs> Someone who is very much a couple steps below Jonah Hex when it comes to mental health. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think on the list of all the people we have... Well, one of them I'm going to defer more to you because you're the Spawn fan here. Yes. But I think the Punisher is kind of the worst one on our list when it comes to mental health. Really? I mean, even I th- I'm pretty sure I put I we kept Jason Todd on the on the list. Um, not on the text message list. No, huh. he's not on there. But I think that's probably for the best. Okay. Because Jason Todd's a whole other bundle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we might get to Jason Todd another day. Yeah. Okay, so... Punisher. Punisher. Yes. All right, long story short. Frank Castle. Used to have a decent life. Fought in the Vietnam War. Kind of got screwed up in the Vietnam War. Came home to his loving family. Family got mowed down by mobsters because why not? And now he hunts down bad people and kills them. Mm-hmm. Brutally. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we don't need to answer the question of why he's considered an anti-hero. Right. I mean, that seems pretty simple. I mean, I you know, he's yes, he's killing bad people, but the still, but still, the thing is, he's killing them yeah. brutally. Oh yeah, and he is not afraid to go after people who are in government positions. He's not afraid to go after people that are deemed to be like useful to society and good people. Mm-hmm. And he's not afraid to go after the necessary good or the necessary evils of society. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you provide an example of the I guess potentially seen as good people that he would people or person that he would go out after? So the one of the comics I did a review on was Punisher Soviet. Okay. And long story short, the big bad that they're going after in Punisher Soviet, he was because he pals around with a. Russian, Russian soldier that he helps out with his revenge. Mm-hmm. But the big bad 
not only is he kind of a mob boss, but he was also a soldier, mm-hmm. well, a general, I mm-hmm. would say, in the Russian occupation of Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. that man sold out the troop to the Afghans. Yeah. And that's where the one Russian dude came from. He was part of that troop okay. that sold out. But then he would later come in and start making, like, going, doing legit work to stuff his own pockets and he's also making deals with congressmen and he's going and he's even trying to at the end of the comic trying to seal this deal with this one very specific congressman who a lot of people for some reason still consider to be good people (laughs) but anyways so society would kind of consider that dude to be on the surface, he is a general. Yeah, he may have done some shady things in the past, but he's making a turn for the better, and he's trying to make some more oppor- economically good opportunities. And he wants to work with this congressman who also wants to help out with the economic opportunities. Mm-hmm. How could he not be a bad person deep down inside? And the Punisher, after hearing the story of what happened to his Russian buddy, mm-hmm. is like, yeah, no, this guy's gonna... I'm not gonna spoil the end, but... Technically, that dude doesn't get killed. The congressman is the one who gets, like, the very gruesome death. Okay. Um, And he's not afraid to go after the congressman either because it's like, dude, you're willing to sell out your country. Yeah. To this asshole. (laughs) Right. Um, And actually, as I think about it, this, like, from the anti-hero standpoint, Frank Castle is actually, like, one of the, like, poster boys for this topic because, I mean, yes, he debuted in the mid-70s. And his first issue, he's trying to kill Spider-Man. <laughs> right. But, like, but like by the 80s, he was riding that wave of just psychological, psychologically troubled anti-heroes that, that just, just was propelled forward in that decade. Mm-hmm. So, now that we've covered that, do we really need to say... What kind of mental health problems that Frank Castle is dealing with? <laughs> I think, I mean, we could. I mean, I, on one hand, we could, but at the same time, I think we could honestly go all night Yeah. in, in that. PTSD is the obvious one. Mm-hmm. I can't really say very much for other runs of The Punisher. It's kind of hinted that he's always been a little on the sociopathic side. But it wasn't until Garth Ennis got onto the title where he kind of wrote Frank Castle as, first off, a kid who was always the distant kid. He was mm-hmm. always the quiet, distant kid. Mm-hmm. And by the time he got to the army, he it kind of finally broke him to the point where he kind of truly discovered who he was and what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Kill people! <laughs> but even the, even the way Ennis r- writes the final moments before his family gets murdered, mm-hmm. Frank Castle's coming to the realization, I'm not normal. Right. I I am not I don't function like a normal person. Right. I mean he like even from a like a superhero standpoint, he appears as and is actually considered by his creator He's a sociopath. Well it's, it's not just a sociopath, but he's considered I would say he's can and well I'm not the only one who would say this. But he's considered a representation of the failure of the justice system. I think just the failure of that and also the military-industrial complex. Because Mm -hmm. he is a direct product of Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And he, and and obviously there, you know... I think he represents basically just America's 
while a lot of Americans won't say it outright, he is that deep down seething hatred for the system because this he's he realizes the system doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. The system does what it does, mm-hmm. and sometimes it does good, but a lot of times it just does what it does just because. Right, which is. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Which is, considering the modern, recently developed modern connotations uh, for the Punisher, I find that interesting. Or maybe not connotations, but we'll say modern associations uh, with the Punisher and everything. And the Punisher is another one where it's like, I'm a little surprised that he still exists. I mean, I... I mean, I get it. He kills the bad people, and it's kind of fun to watch him just mow down Mm -hmm. pedophiles and whatnot... But at the same time, wow, is he a violent man. Yeah, I mean... I, to and be, not only that, but the Punisher Skull is now being... Championed by, primarily, at this point, the Blue Lives Matter moment. And I, I, honestly, I think that's... what that's If I had to guess, which is, which is actually kind of interesting because the, the creator of the Punisher actually hates that that he can't stand the the fact that the Blue Lives Matter used the Punisher symbol, um, and he's said so. But I find it to be honest. I thought you said we weren't going to get political in this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No, I, I'm not. It's just I. I think as to your comment about you know being surprised that the Punisher is still around, around and and popular. I, I feel as if the like the Blue Lives Matter movement is like like when Punisher rode in the eighties rode the wave of like psychologically disturbed superheroes. He's more or less riding the Blue Lives Matter wave, mm-hmm. at least a little bit. I, I I feel like that's what's part at least that's why he hasn't really faded into the background. Because even if they kept him around, I feel like that if that symbol wasn't used that way. I feel like the co- the comic book writers and and the comic book industry would kind of just kind of let him just like nudge him off to the side. <sighs> All right, who is next on our list? Ooh, uh, one that I am familiar with, but only to a small extent. Okay. Not spawn yet. Okay. Jesse Custer from the series <laughs> Preacher. Okay. And I think. You need to reiterate why you consider him an antihero because a lot of because pe- a lot of people, including me, are confused as to why we should include him in that list because he's not like the other ones. Like, how, like when you say not like the other ones, what specifically? Like, what do you? How do you picture him as not being like the others? Because I'm because I will say on one hand, clearly he is not. As bad. Well, I wasn't. I was gonna say he is not, at the very least, a quote unquote superhero. He's not a superhero, but I think the reason why people would be confused is because Jesse is not. He he feels icky about doing bad things, especially towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like he does have that seething hatred in him, and he does want to do good, but he generally just feels icky about doing bad things even if it is for good reasons Mm -hmm. at least the very beginning from what i saw Mm because i know that in that one issue where he tells the one dude drop dead and the dude just literally dropped dead he was freaking out Mm -hmm. that he did that i would actually in in sort of a weird way i would actually compare jesse custer because of the whole 
wanting to do good and even though he's doing it sometimes by doing it bad things he actually feels bad when he when he does bad things i would actually uh, compare him to an early incarnation of batman because as you as we talked about before batman always had that like dark edge to him but he is he has like the early in earlier incarnations of him he was more upstanding i guess like yet like he would do again yes he would do bad things but i he would he would at least show or feel some kind of remorse so yeah i i would as far as an anti-hero that's how i would uh consider jesse custer yeah i guess so and he and he does operate outside the law and a lot of people would not consider what he does to be very heroic like, his main big bad that he's going after is God Almighty himself. Right. I think a lot of people would oppose to that. Right. And the interesting thing, and this is not getting political, because this is uh, this is getting more religious, I guess. Um, How can you not get political when talking about Preacher, though? That is literally the basis <laughs> of the comic. <laughs> it's not the basis. It's... It's, it's, it's mo- a Garth Ennis comic. How can you avoid the politics? I'm not saying you can you can avoid the politics, but I'm, I'm saying it's more spiritual than anything else. And the, and the thing about God as represented in the Preacher series is the, or the key point is that as a characterization, the writers give God specific human weaknesses. Because you know, you know the conventional the conventional wisdom is that God in all ways is above human beings. There he is he is not like human beings. He is you know he is perfect etc and and i think it's from a from a religious standpoint it's actually kind of interesting to notice that when you apply uh human specifically human fear as a weak you know human that kind of weakness to an almighty being that changes it feels you know it it, it changes the tone of everything he does cuz like all the stuff that got when because when God appears in the Preacher series, almost everything he does and says is, dare I say, actually fairly consistent with how he's presented conventionally. You know, like all all loving, etc., etc. But the fact that he had that he's also presented with having that secret fear of losing his power is what presents him as a douchebag. You're just doing all of this so you don't get your Catholic mother to be angry that we're talking about a dude who goes after God, aren't you? Um, no. (laughs) First of all, my mother isn't Catholic. Second of all, um, no. Just no. (laughs) Um, I could, you know, my care less. I think we should go back to Jesse Custard now. Yeah. Anyway, right, so um, that is why Jesse Custard is more or less considered an anti-hero. Right. As far as his mental health goes, much like some of the other guys on the list, he has a very severe PTSD. Right. But I, w- I would argue he actually takes sort of, you know, in his own weird way, he sort of, t- he actually makes at least sort of an, an effort. effort to take care of himself, you know, self-care and, and, then, and take care of his mental the- health. And if I understand correctly, at the very end, he's finally like, all right, I'm doing this. I want to be a better person now. 
which is several steps above the others that we've discussed, like Batman and Jonah Hex, where with Jonah Hex, you can at least make the argument where it's like, okay, he didn't have mental health help at the time. Or with, but, or with the Punisher and Batman, they just refused to really accept it. Whereas mm-hmm. Jesse Custard, he's fully willing to admit that, yeah, I'm a messed up dude and I need help. And right. He does it, which is actually, as you said, I won't, I will say I won't spoil the ending, but that, you know, the, that sort of redemption is there, is shown for him. You know, and that he's actually willing to step out and not only ask for help, but be willing to step, make that step forward. Right. And take the initiative. He's pretty much the only one on the list who's willing to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, yeah. So he has a history of alcoholism too. Mm -hmm. Severe depression. Severe anxiety. (laughs) Jesse is just... Jesse... Custard is a... Custer. Custer. You said custard. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't pronounce southern names well. (laughs) But anyways, he's basically a cinnamon roll at the end of the day. It's just a cinnamon roll that has been run over by a semi several times and then pissed on by a raccoon. (laughs) Okay. Um. He's had a hard life, but he's a, a very good man at the very heart of it. That's why it took me a while to really pin him with the anti-hero name because he it really is honest to god a good man trying to mm-hmm. do good where he can yeah. and try to get to a better place which is again right none of the yeah. other characters really do that and and even throughout the series uh he does that like as far as the self-care thing i i would consider those hallucinate borderline hallucinogenic conversations with john wayne as sort of at least sort of self-care yeah. Because he's trying to process what is ha- whatever has happened, and he's trying to sort of work through it in a, in a non-conventional way, but who cares? Look, if it takes talking to your imaginary friend to get you to a better place, I think Chris can say that is at least a step. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we are going to run through really quickly the next two, because we kind of do have something to do after this. But right. Next is your boy. Spawn. And I'm going to just leave this to you because I have not read a single Spawn comic. Shame on you. (laughs) I can't afford that habit. You know it. (laughs) You have... We're we're not going to get into finances because that's an entirely different thing. My job doesn't pay as much as the other one did. (laughs) Yeah, but my job is not hourly pay either. (laughs) Anyway, the basic thing behind Spawn is... You know, he was in the Marine Corps, he later joins the Secret Service, and is recruited to the CIA, and becomes like this very, I won't say super assassin, but he's he's just a very capable assassin for the CIA. To put it mildly. Yes. And the funny thing is, his, um, his boss, eventually, basically starts getting tired and sick of... Uh, Al Simmons, which is Spawn's human name, or before he became Spawn, he he grows tired of Al Simmons like increasing what he feels to be his increasing like morality. Because because I mean, yeah, that we'll we'll just stick with that. So he has him killed, and he makes Al Simmons makes a, to again to speed through this. He makes a deal with the demon devil, whatever, whose name is Malaboja. And 
he be, who becomes basically like a soul probably call a soldier of hell specifically kind of like with um a soldier of hell who eventually turns around and gives hell the middle finger <laughs> well yeah i mean he's the superhero from hell but here's the thing he's a soldier from hell but he's like a special soldier kind of like with ghost rider because you know ghost rider is like the representative or the what you know the one entity who does this stuff for the devil and well i will say spawn is not unique as a as an entity he is he's kind of like a spartan in halo in that there's more than one of them but there's not very many and he's super powerful we'll just leave it there the interesting thing is he um i would i would actually argue that uh, he does more he does even more for self-care and stuff than the others that we've talked about so far because he his his morality his sense of morality and everything stays with him like he like he early in the series he he's you know told like you have all these powers and uh, and he finds out the more he especially he finds out the more he uses the powers specifically the more he sort of loses his soul for lack of a better term so he 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 doesn't use his like superpowers unless he absolutely has to and he and the interesting thing is he continually goes through this like i guess you could call it an identity crisis like just the questioning of like of the position he's in and again the morality of the situation so i guess maybe he he would be considered a more even though he's a superhero from hell he's he's a little more of a moral character than the uh characters we've talked about so far but yeah i guess you know since we have to speed through through things a little bit that's mostly what can be said as far as spawn because yeah as far as getting into like the metamorphoses and the you know and the different forms of spawn is just again it's one of those things would take all night all right now it's time for the final character on our list which i is more of my guy thing Mm -hmm. and chris has not read this comic yet which i will throw back at you shame on you because it is a damn good comic (laughs) 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 but my pick was spider jerusalem for the series trans metropolitan okay he is very unlike the other people on the list, where he is not so much a superhero, he is actually a gonzo journalist. Think okay. if Hunter S. Thompson lived in the year 3000. Okay. Hmm. It's basically like a sci-fi journalism mm-hmm. comic. So is, I feel like I, this is a silly question, because I don't know the answers, but I feel like I can guess them at this point. Would he actually be considered a superhero? Like, does he actually have, like, powers and shit? No, he does not have powers. Okay, so he's... Not natural ones, at least. Okay, so he's more on the terms of, like, Batman and Punisher and all that stuff. Like, power-wise. No. Okay. He is a regular-ass human being. And the only thing that's notable about him is he's a really good journalist. Okay. And he gets people's attention. That's pretty much... That's... that's, I mean, that's what I meant. I wasn't considering, like, Bruce Wayne's money or... Frank Castle's talent. Yeah, he does. But as far as he's a powerless human being, superpower-wise, he's a... Yeah. Yeah. So, well, his main goal in the series is he's searching for the truth. He wants to bring the truth to people, and he wants people to, like, see reality the way he does so that they can come to the... to have their own come-to-Jesus moments. Because the future is very much debauchery. Okay. 
craziness and debauchery. He is also trying to dethrone the president that is elected, okay. Callahan, who's also known as the Smiler, who also assassinated one of Spire Jerusalem's friends. Okay. So Spire Jerusalem is basically trying to dethrone him in the most painful and humiliating way possible. Through journalism. Through journalism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it sounds stupid, but I it's disagree. highly entertaining. Because there have been many times when journalism has more or less saved us. But actually, when we first meet Spider Jerusalem, he is isolated in the mountains, and he mm-hmm. has already been through his burnout, period. He just got tired of the world, and mm-hmm. so he left to live in the mountains to get away from everything. Just went off-grid. Yeah, went off-the-grid. And the only reason he came back to the city was because he still owed his publisher two more books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he is not allowed to submit an essay that says, fuck, 500 times. And, yeah. Like he did in the past. But anyways. Okay. He... As far as mental health goes, he is very aware that he is an emotionally unstable bastard. Okay. He is a drug addict. Mm -hmm. He suffers from chronic depression. He has just random outbursts whenever, wherever. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of a generalized asshole. Okay. Um, When you say, like, outbursts, like, what do you mean? Like, anger? Yeah. Okay, one of the earliest stories is he's doing a column about this religion convention. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes to the religion convention dressed up like an angel. <laughs> okay. Just to fuck with people. Like, as a traditional halo white-robed angel, or or does yeah. he really fuck yeah, with he, people? Yeah, well, the halo is made out of tinfoil, so... Okay. But at the very end of the comic, he has this just outburst, just this uh, climax of a rant he's going on Mm -hmm. and he starts like literally throwing tables and the last line of the comic is i'm seeking the truth Mm -hmm. like he's just screaming and hit random people and he's also not afraid to like speak his mind even though it will severely hurt someone he's not afraid to drive people to suicide he is not afraid to (laughs) okay and he's not afraid to associate with people who are perhaps on the other side of the law Okay, but so he would he, fit he in on the wire. The, yeah, he would fit in on the wire, and he has a lot of issues. But as far as seeking out mental health, the only thing that Spider Jerusalem wants more than anything is to go back to the mountains because he knows what is killing him, and he knows uh-huh. what's hurting him. And that's, like, the, like as far as like the drugs and shit. Yeah, the drugs and shit. Living in the city that has brought him nothing but misery and dealing with people who do nothing but make him even more miserable. Mm -hmm. So he knows what's wrong with him. He just can't get out of that situation due to his contractual obligations Mm -hmm. and the fact that he has to take down this big bad dude Mm -hmm. who hates America and Mm -hmm. has done everything he can to destroy everything around Trepspire Jerusalem, including the people he cares about. Mm -hmm. So... As far as mental health care, I'm not going to spoil the ending of the comic. He doesn't really even bother to try and go for the mental health help until his job is done. Okay. So like a last yeah. last order of business kind of thing. Yeah. He's not, he is not going to get the help he needs that he knows he needs until the last job is done. Okay. So it's like, I guess that's better than like constantly putting yourself through the ringer for the lulls, but... <laughs> So like it, it it sounds like it sort of gives him even though even though he should be you know practicing self care and all whatever through throughout the his his he tenure to, he still it sounds like he kind of uses it as 
like an ultimate goal. Like I will take care of myself when my job, as you said, my job is done. Right, and he uses the drugs to numb himself from yeah. all the bullshittery in his Which life. Which is... That's a not good thing. Yeah, that's not a good thing. That is a not good thing. Don't do that, people. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's Spider-Jerusalem. Okay. Go read Transmetropolitan. Was it, I I guess, as you talked about it, was it is it like a one-shot graphic novel or is it a series? Series. Okay. How long is it? Ten volumes. Okay. <laughs> I think that wraps it up. At least as yeah, as far as the antiheroes and everything. We um, could go on longer and longer, but the fun place that we want to go to tonight closes at eight thirty, so we're gonna leave it at that. Yeah, and I will say, as sort of as a as a wrap up, you know, it, I guess if there's if there's any message at all with it for this episode, don't do drugs. Well, yeah, <laughs> but we're not taking the dare route because that. The the message is, especially because today is World Kindness Day, you, you know, I know for a lot of you, there are times when, you know, like you want to put, when you want to put others first and make sure they get cared of. But, you know, you the, the truth is you really have to take care of yourself as a priority because I, I you know, if you want if you want to take care of other people, you know, like if you're not there and you're not stable, then your ability to care for others is going to be significantly diminished. Be kind to yourself so you can spread the kindness to other people. Yep. As, as, uh, to depart from comics a, a little bit, as Bill and Ted have said, uh, be excellent to everyone. And that includes yourself. Yeah. But yeah, um, as far stay off the hooch. <laughs> um, as far as our next episode, once again, I have no clue what we're gonna be doing. I mean, we had an idea, but you offended us. I don't think you can. I don't think that applies to December, though. I well, we were going to do it in November because <laughs> remember, remember the fifth of November. I still. No! I, again, I still don't. I. Mm. <laughs> Alright, we'll, we'll figure it out, folks. Yep. And until um, until next time, uh, have fun, take care of yourselves, and keep reading. Bye! Bye. Bye.